Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 58 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen. I'm the director of Sun Positive, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights and help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Fiona Maxwell. Fiona Maxwell's career has spanned the nonprofit, government, and university sectors in Australia and the USA. Prior to becoming CEO of Brisbane Powerhouse, Fiona was Queensland Manager for Philanthropy Australia, establishing the Brisbane office and supporting philanthropists and non-profits alike to grow the sector. Fiona's role as Queensland Manager, Art Support Australia, encompassed growing cultural philanthropy, working with local philanthropists, advisors and intermediaries, as well as supporting the non-profit sector to build stronger and more sustainable relationships with its supporters. Prior to this role, Fiona was Executive Director of the Next Wave Festival. She's been Chair and Board Member of organisations including Industry Service and Peak Bodies, Internet Startup and Philanthropic Grant Making Committees, including Women in Change, Queensland Women's Giving Circle. Fiona currently sits on the Board of Domestic Violence Support Organisation DV Connect. And Fiona holds a Bachelor of Arts from QUT, a Master's from the University of New South Wales, and recently completed the executive program for non-profit leaders at Stanford University. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Fiona's broad insights into leading not-for-profits, entrepreneurship, and philanthropy. We'll get Fiona's thoughts and perspective on how to best engage communities, and we'll hear what Fiona believes can be done to create stronger opportunities for positive social change. Fiona, thanks very much for joining us. Pleasure. So to keep things off, Fiona, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you to work in the not-for-profit and philanthropy sectors? Goodness, I came to the non-profit sector, I guess, through the arts. So I studied art at university. I'd always wanted to um, have some kind of creative career. And when I went through uni, I was also doing an education degree and realised very quickly I was not going to be a school teacher. Mm. And so um, ended up also finding out that I was quite good at organising things. My art making wasn't crash hot, but I was much better at at organising things. So I ran the student gallery, um, went on to sort of work in in various um, art museums and and galleries in in Sydney and Melbourne and and Los Angeles, uh, and then kind of got into festival world. So multi-art form, diverse venues, mix of stakeholders, um, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and you have to fundraise. Yep. So in, in learning about the art of fundraising, you then learn about who, who the givers are, mm. and uh, which is how I then ended up in the roles with Art Support and Philanthropy Australia, trying to cultivate more bigger givers, growing the pie, yep. um, so, that, so that more people are, are able to support things. Yeah. And then, you know, when the role of CEO at the Brisbane Powerhouse came up, how could I resist? You know, I was here 17 years ago on the opening night as a student and it was this, the most extraordinary place and we're so very different for Brisbane, mm. you know, really 
grungy and gritty and, and yeah. rock and roll and um, and so the privilege to be able to come back 17 years later uh, and to take this organisation to its next its next destination is exciting. Yeah, it is certainly. I, I remember when it opened as well. So how did you find your purpose, Fiona? And how did that change the way that you live and lead organisations? Well, look, it's funny. I don't, I don't think I ever sort of set out to do anything you know, it was great, any great epiphany moment. Although I remember years ago talking to some friends of friends who were worked with a big consulting firm and they, with this sort of slightly sneering look on their face, they was like, well, how do you cope with the salary? Um, and, and I was sort of like, well, <laughs> I'm not destroying the world. I'm, I'm working for good. Mm. Um, and, and when I get up in the morning, I feel good about that. Yeah. Um, you know, so that helps. <laughs> 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 whenever, uh, whenever I'm struggling to pay my students, my uh, my kids' school fees, <laughs> that's what I will um, resign myself to. But no, it's it, you know, it, it is about about change, mm. in, in social change in one way or another, um, and whether that's through the arts and through the experiences that we can provide here, or in my other roles about um, about philanthropy and the nonprofit sector more broadly. Yeah, fantastic. As CEO of the Powerhouse then, what have you found to be some of the best ways to engage community and create this positive change? Look, we have we have a fantastic range of stakeholders here, from council, Brisbane City Council as our primary stakeholder, through to sponsors, um, some great corporate partners, individual donors, um, our associates program of people who are um, supporting individual artists to, to make work here. Mm-hmm. And people are immensely passionate and loyal about Brisbane Powerhouse. They want to be part of that journey. They, they want to be, be part of a, a, a creative hub for Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I was talking to someone earlier today about in the last 17 years, Brisbane Powerhouse, QUT Creative Industries, GOMA, um, have really transformed the kind of cultural footprint of, of Brisbane. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, and, and the hope is, and I think we're well on our way, that it's not just a stepping off point to the beaches, that actually there's a lot going on here. Mm. And that, you know, we definitely moved back here after having been, lived in all sorts of other places um, because we wanted to be part of that creative energy, the, the can-do, yeah. the optimism, you know, where people can start up a business, can start up a, an idea and, and make it happen in Brisbane. Mm, fantastic. So what do you find to be some of the biggest challenges then in working in a large organisation and how have you worked around them? Uh, look, I think, I think the challenge, I've worked in small organisations where literally it's a team of seven or eight, you turn around and go, hey, what about this? You're like, yes, let's do it. You know, that yeah. nimbleness. Mm. I've also worked in government and universities where much you can't do anything you know you need 10 committees before you yeah. committee to have a committee uh, and so our interesting challenge is we're a big small organization and a small big organization mm. you know how how can we be nimble and responsive how can we engage with the with the art sector uh, with our local community um, with what's happening now yeah. um, as well as how do we 
work within a, an ecology of, of, of a relationship with council and the larger art sector and, yep. and the level of accountability and transparency that is expected of bigger organisations. Mm. Yeah, most certainly, most certainly. So how might organisations then best create a positive work environment of collaboration where employees feel and are valued and where everyone contributes their best? Look, I think it's it's an ongoing work in progress. Mm. It starts with clarity of vision um, and clarity of mission. Uh, in our case, our mission, our objects that were set out 17 years ago are still very accurate and, and very true. Mm. Um, and, and so people really understanding what that is, everyone being on, on board with what that is. I think often in a place like this that does so much, there could be tensions between the, you know, the creative side and the commercial side. I think even before I started, people wanted to complain to me about the cost of the wine uh, in the bar. <laughs> the quality is excellent. Um, so, you know, balance, balancing those tensions, but I think where people realise where, where there's a vision, mm. then, then coming on that journey. I think it's also about genuine consultation and engagement. Mm. And that's really difficult to, to say to people, oh, I actually, I, I care about what you think, give me your feedback. And yeah. then for people to see that that's been acted on or that it's been considered yep. because sometimes it's hard to be transparent mm. in a leadership role. It's hard to um, kind of go, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll do that tomorrow rather than going, oh, I can't actually do that because there's this really complex thing that's, that's, that's stopping me. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's part of the journey for an organisation of, of this size. Yeah. The wonderful privilege here, though, is that People work at Brisbane Powerhouse because they are so passionate about what we do. Mm. People people love the building and they love the the, the vibe of it. Yeah. You know, and, and it the the nature of the building's design is such that you come into its heart. Yeah. You think about other theatres where actually the, the, the gathering of the public is on the edges. Mm. The beauty of our building is that you come into its heart. Yeah. People love the, the artistic and creative community that we work with and the corporate and commercial hires that come and do things here come because of that. Yeah. You know, you could hire a meeting room at a, a big brand hotel and, and probably get more flashy bells and whistles and better mints and notebooks. Yeah. But people come here because the, the creativity of the cultural program rubs off on everything else. Yeah, most certainly. So changing a little bit topic, how have you seen the not-for-profit sector change over the last five or so years and where do you see it heading? Oh, look, I think the non-profit sector has to change and things like the NDIS has been absolutely transformative, will be transformative, has been disruptive and will be transformative. And it's often interesting to talk to people in other sectors and go, in the arts particularly, and go, what if the NDIS happened to us? Mm. What if every Australian got $200 a year to spend on the arts product of their choice and then chose what they wanted to do? How would we do mm. things differently? You know, and I think that's really interesting because often yeah, cultural organisations go, well, this is what you need to consume. Mm. We are the ones to make the choices about what you as a consumer will, will be exposed to. And, and so thinking about audiences and, and, and audience-led decisions is really interesting. One of the things that we've had most successfully here in, in the last month was an escape room game. 
called containment. So it was all about zombies, 10 people at a time, got an hour and a half to solve a puzzle. And if you didn't solve the puzzle by roving all over the building, you were turned into a zombie. Um, (laughs) So, you know, that, that is completely transforming the way audiences will experience cultural product. Mm. Um, it's not about sitting in a theatre and looking at what's on stage. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a theme that needs to be universal across the non-profit sector. Yeah. Innovation in models has to change. Reliance on government funding cannot continue. Yeah. Government funding is ever more competitive, is ever dwindling. The expectations of government around reporting, around data, around collaboration, you know, have have to be be more transparent. Yeah. Um, the rise of the social enterprise sector, um, the rise of social enterprise within nonprofits, and people understanding what those differences are. The rise of social procurement. Yeah. All of those sort of things. You know, the collective impact is a is a really interesting area to look at, especially when you're looking at big social problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, MICA projects in Brisbane, a homelessness charity, are extraordinary in the work. The international leadership mm. they have shown in working in the collective impact space yeah. in terms of where one person is homelessness in Brisbane, how many touch points do they have with community services, with government departments, with yeah. church groups and everything else, mm. and still we are not getting any closer to seeing them sustainably housed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think those models that places like MICA are piloting and how that can, can be seen further. I think the other movement that's interesting to see in the commercial sector is the B Corporation movement um, and how... In, in other places in Europe, you know, we're, we're seeing companies that sit in between the for-profit, the non-profit yeah. are the biggest growing sector of business. Mm. Um, in Australian business language, there's not a, there's not a category there, which yeah. is why something like the B Corporation movement is really interesting. Yeah. And there are some really interesting Brisbane companies who, who are listing as B Corporations, tackling that in different ways. It's yeah. not just your obvious your Patagonias or your um, 5am yogurts or, or whatever, it's actually things like accounting firms mm. who are doing really interesting stuff in this space. And I think that's where we'll, we'll see some change too. Yeah, yeah, really interesting to hear. You've touched on this a little bit already, but what advice would you give then to not-for-profits who would like to build stronger and more sustainable relationships with their supporters? It's about ongoing conversation. It's interesting, this morning we had a, an hour-long session with one of our biggest partners mm-hmm. where we had five of our staff and five of their staff. We were really upfront about what had worked over the last three years, what didn't work. Sharing failures is mm-hmm. really important. You know, don't be afraid to say what didn't work because then you can finesse a, a variation on that. Yeah. If everything is kind of brushed up to look fine, then you'll find yourself continuing to deliver something that you never wanted to be delivering in the yeah. first place. Yeah. And I think the really interesting thing that then came out of that conversation is, all right, what are the, what are the deeper projects we can now engage in in the next three years of that partnership? Mm-hmm. What are the things that are not only beneficial to us or beneficial to the partner, but are beneficial to social change? Yeah. How can we do something together, and in the case of this partnership, talk about Brisbane as a creative destination, Brisbane as a a thought leader Mm. in in creativity, and and that's in the interests of both us and in in that partner.
as well. Yeah, fantastic. So you've previously worked as the Queensland Manager at Philanthropy Australia. Mm. So where do you see the greatest challenges in the sector and where are the opportunities to achieve better philanthropy? So the philanthropic sector is going through a massive change as we start to see millennials take charge, both as um, the next generation of family giving. So um, they're now um, starting to take over family companies. They're starting to have roles in, in directorships and whatever in, within family businesses. And that baby boomer generation is, is starting to retire. Um, we're also seeing a generation of millennials who are leading their own companies. Um, and in Australia, people like um, Mike Cannon-Brooks from Atlassian are, are really kind of standout examples of people who've made wealth early through a, you know, an IT or an innovation in the innovation space um, and, and then are going, all right, how can I give back? It's mm -hmm. not just about amassing that wealth. Yep. So what are the traits and trends of millennials in their giving? Um, and how does the nonprofit sector need to change? And that's really interesting. So millennials are hands-on. They want to be engaged. It's no longer checkbook philanthropy. They want to be in participating, being yeah. behind the scenes um, and, in, and involved. They're loyal to causes, but not necessarily loyal to charities. And I, and I think that's really interesting, particularly probably to the big traditional charities who, who might have seen regular support because they're doing good in yeah. whatever, you know, homelessness or foster care or big social issues. Millennials want to, want to engage in those issues, but if they're not being solved by that charity, they'll find another charity or they'll start their own. Mm. So that's the other thing that we're seeing is, is philanthropy-led charitable work. You know, and I was in a, in a forum recently where a guy who was a property developer said, you know, I don't think the big charities are doing enough around social housing and the impact of the NDS. I'm going to... I'm going to... Do it myself. You know, do it myself. So, you know, it, it, I think that that really means non-profits have to change the way they report, how transparent they are about the way they work, the opportunities they give for their donors and supporters to be involved, whilst still being in control of the expertise as well and kind mm. of going, all right, well, you know, this is the way we've got to do this. Yeah. Uh, it's not about a shift to going, oh, well, because this donor's given us a whole lot of money, we'll now put on uh, whatever, Mamma Mia the musical on every year till the end of time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's about growing respect for each other's expertise. Mm, certainly. The other thing that's been interesting is the rise of collective giving um, and... I'm part of a women's giving circle, which is a really exciting forum. And last week we gave away fifty thousand wow. dollars. Um, so every year we put in a thousand dollars each, and there's fifty members at the moment. There, there could be more. We call for small nonprofits to um, send in their grant ideas. Um, we shortlist in the top three pitch, uh, on the, and then we vote. And that fifty thousand is is given to the winning charity. Fantastic. So we're really excited this year that um, Muoz, the area tray and restaurant at West End, um, has received fifty thousand dollars to refurbish their kitchen. Wow! So they've been in those premises, and everyone will know the, the restaurant and yeah. where they are uh, for some years. But it was previously a Chinese restaurant, so the kitchen is set up for cooking things with woks. Mm. It's not set up for cooking African food, and not set up to be a training environment 
for all of the fantastic women who come in as new migrants, um, who use somewhere like Moors as the yeah. launch pad for their, you know, feeling at home in Australia, ultimately. Yeah, fantastic. It's a great restaurant in West End. I'll yeah. stick a link at the bottom of the article. <laughs> do, do, yeah. So to finish up then, Fiona, could you please recommend a few great reads to our listeners? Ah, well, one, um, one that I picked up at an airport recently uh, is a book called Chapter One by Daniel Flynn, who is the founder of Thank You, um, which is the started as bottled water um, and now is all sorts of products, baby products, um, hand soap and all of that sort of thing. And just recently throughout Brisbane Powerhouse, we've introduced the Thank You hand soap uh, range. So... Um, I think that that's just really interesting, and I must must admit it's one of those ones I pick up and put down and, and have a look at. But to to take on the bottled water sector, dominated by um, the the big soft drink companies, and look to disrupt that as a as a non profit with a with a social focus, um, you know, is a is a great story. Yeah. Um, the other one that's a bit different is uh, A Woman of Independence is the name of the book by Kirsty Sword Guzmao. Uh, and she was the former First Lady of East Timor. Oh, wow. And her story is quite extraordinary. She's an Australian woman who um, learned to speak, learned Indonesian at university, Indonesian studies, and so on, went over to Indonesia and got involved in the East Timor movement. Mm. And when Gosmao was in prison in Indonesia as a, um, as a freedom fighter, uh, she went in and started as a translator and, and whatever. And, um, they ultimately fell in love and, and she was involved in his release and then his kind of um, home imprisonment, whatever the term is for that, and then the establishment of Timor as a nation. Um, and... Uh, so just an amazing life, an, an absolutely amazing life. You know, it's one of those ones. If they made the movie of her life, Angelina Jolie would play her. You know, <laughs> like she's just she's extraordinary, and she is um, still very involved in Timor, particularly around leading a, a women's charity. Um, I think it's the Alola Foundation, mm. um, and and around critical issues for women in East Timor around. Um, parenting, postnatal health, mm. uh, educating around breastfeeding, all of those sort of things that are really critical in that community and then providing some business opportunities and empowerment for those women to yeah. to, to, to be on their way. So um, so an extraordinary read yeah. as well and, and very much, uh, you know, because she's an Australian woman and a, a true story, it's quite inspirational. Sounds like a fascinating one. Fiona, thank you so much for sharing a really valuable time and insights today. We really appreciate it and we'll look forward to touching base in the future to see how all your projects are going. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.